Funding for the Hinckley Report is made possible in part by the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation and the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report as a podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe at your go-to podcast platform. Tonight on the Hinckley Report, presidential candidates descend on Utah to drum up support. Utah remains in the national spotlight as the state prepares for its first Super Tuesday. Lawmakers debate tough topics that could have wide-ranging effects. And legislative leaders work to finalize the state's budget as advocates jockey for funding. Good evening and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Robert Gerke, columnist with the Salt Lake Tribune, Michelle Quist, political commentator with the Salt Lake Tribune, and Scott Howell, former state senator and political consultant. So glad to have you all on the program today. I want to jump right into the legislative session. And Robert, we'll start with you because the, this week is the week we've been waiting for. The revenue numbers. The budget. Right? The everybody, budget. Everybody at home is just like on the edge of their yeah, seats. We all have been. It's, it's interesting during the session, everyone's up there asking for things. And everyone yeah. says, we don't know until we know what those numbers are. But they're really good. $900 million. Yeah, I want uh, some of that. Yeah. You, well, you should have had an ask. <laughs> I might. You don't know yet. Um, yeah. I mean. It, the, we knew the economy was doing well. We expected the numbers to be robust. Um, I think the good news is that it both on, on the education front, there's a ton of money in there, uh, almost $600 million for education, which means it's going to, you know, public schools, universities are going to do well this year. Uh, they're still a little strapped on the general on the general fund side. So as, as you know, there's two buckets. One goes, the income tax money all goes to education sales tax money goes to everything else. And so when you're talking about healthcare needs, uh, corrections, roads, all of this stuff, they're gonna be, they're gonna be still be pressed, I think, to try to make the make ends meet. Um, and it'll take some creative accounting, I think. Yeah, well, let's break down a couple of those buckets for a second, Michelle, because the one Robert talked about on education fund is so important, because yeah. it gets to this overall conversation about the tax base anyway. So in the education fund, 518 million new dollars of ongoing, 323 million dollars in one time money. That is a huge amount for, for public ed and and higher ed gets a piece of that also. Right. All right. So talk about uh, kind of how our legislators are posturing right now with that kind of money on the table. Well, it's a good thing for, I mean, Utah is, is, is always, you know, at the lower uh, rankings for how we're funding education. And so they're able, the legislature is able now to say we have this extra money. Um, I know they're hoping to spend it on credits, uh, you know, a credit for school supplies for teachers. Um, that's one of the uh, big bill, bills that's been going, um, that's been being talked about. Um, it, 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 it's good, you know. It's good to have the surplus. Utah has has had a surplus for for years, and um, it's hard it's hard to sell the need for increased taxes when we have this surplus every year. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Also, uh, Scott, you were a former state senator. I mean, do you ever have this kind of latitude when it came to public ed? Because that issue hasn't changed since you were there. Oh, exactly. And this latitude is absolutely great. It's a it's a win win, but mostly for our students and our growing population that continues 
continues to come to the state. You know, I, my experience was a little bit different. This might sound a little uncanny, but it was always, as a member of the executive appropriation, I should say, for many years, it was always better to appropriate when you didn't have surpluses, because then everybody stopped and said, well, we can't ask for this. Now, everybody says, oh, I need this, I need that, and it's the buzz in every university, everywhere in the state, <laughs> oh, they got plenty of money. Well, and you're hearing a lot of, of legislative leaders saying, well, we, we don't really have that much. Yeah, money. exactly. They want to they exactly. still downside. tap the brakes a little yeah, bit and make sure exactly. that people check their expectations. Um, and, it, and it plays into that whole general fund, education fund thing. They, they keep saying we don't have enough general fund money. And so they're, they're still telling people to not expect to, to do much. And part of the reason they, they're telling people to temper their expectations is because of the, the implosion of this tax yeah. cut bill that they, that, okay. that they had to repeal. I, I want to get to that, but maybe right before, just one more note on this, Robert, because the Salt Lake Education Association is still planning a walkout for this next Friday, right? They're going to start at the, the federal building downtown, walk up the hill to to an event there. So that, that seems to still be happening. It is, it is. And and it's interesting because the Salt Lake School District, the teachers got a pretty good pay bump in, in the past year. And we've seen Canyons and Jordan and some of the other districts following suit uh, or, or or having comparable yeah. pay raises. So, it, but, but what they're worried about now is less about salary, uh, if you talk to the teachers, and more about the sort of the ancillary items, the class size, the paraprofessionals that they have, the resources, the, the, the you know, the, the computer access. So they're, they're, they're focusing more on that. They feel like the salaries have been largely taken care of, um, but they're, they're wanting help doing their jobs now. And you know, a little civil disobedience here and there and teach the students a little bit about that, that's okay. But I think Robert's right on, it's the WPU that we really want to make sure is funded healthy. And that's where you get to uh, reduce class size and take care of those ancillary things. Uh, but to have a little uh, march up the hill, you know, uh, I'm sure your kids will all be going. Oh, I got to, my kids came home with a note and you know, their first question, my, my seven-year-old's mom, what's a walkout? You know? <laughs> Yeah. It sounds like no school. Yeah. Do you worry that they're overplaying their hand, though? I mean, oh, they're stretching a little bit. Uh, you know, those poor teachers. Yeah. You know, but so what happens? So the, you said WPU. That's the way to pupil you know, yeah, the funding me. mechanism yes. for uh, public ed. Right. So our legislature was looking at a four percent this time. Is do you do you see this as you're talking to your your former colleagues and even right now? Are they going to bump that up, or, they, or is it most going to sit on the side of the ledger? That well, it's almost about? taking political sides on this one. The Democrats really see that it should bump up while we've got the opportunity and it ought to be uh, ongoing and and again it's the weighted pupil unit that really gets back to the classroom that's the key and it's it's balanced across the state uh, I think there are there's enough appetite up there that they might go for a five or six percent there's been an increase in Governor Herbert's budget for the WPU yeah. every year yeah you know, for the past I, I don't want to say over a number. A billion but dollars, I think, over the last four years. It's, yeah. There have been well substantial, over. robust yeah. uh, increases. It's uh, a priority. But we're still trying to catch up. Remember, yeah. that's not going to move us up from that 48th or 51st. Well, because it'll, it'll they, take years and years yeah, and years of yeah. that kind of. But but it's a good start. It's because the, the legislature just doesn't see that money equals right. success, right? right? And so they're always up against that kind of you know this argument against you know just more money, yeah. right? It's a, it's a philosophical thing for them, definitely. But but they are increasing the WPU. Okay, so well, let's take with this conversation right here about the one side of the ledger, what it just kind of goes to the uh, the income tax to the mm -hmm. public mm -hmm. ed. So you, Robert, you mentioned this a moment ago. Uh, this sort of highlights the legislators' arguments so far on this tax reform, right? So you have so much money in in this education fund, but 
yeah. sales tax revenue. So how are legislators approaching this? Because there's a one-time deficit right now, and that the ongoing is fine, still close to 100 million there. Yeah. But t tell us how that's playing right now. Is it an I told you so sort of thing? It is a little bit of that. Um, they're telling people who have been coming to them with requests that you know we we told you we wouldn't have the money if you, and, and now we don't have the money and you know you should have listened to us. Um, there are some they do have some flexibility. There is about 300 million dollars in the education fund in higher ed that is actually sales tax money that they can move out. They do this shell game and they have been for the last uh, 20 years. Um, and so so they do have a little bit of flexibility there. There are some proposals uh, to, to try to increase the sales tax base a little bit. Um, but yeah, they've got they they do have a little bit of a problem. And, and I think they are kind of, you know, we'll see if they're actually going to be spiteful about it, I guess. You it know, feels like the whole session has been an I told you so. Yeah. And, you know, there were there were some good things in the tax bill that could be taken independently and yeah. their you know their their scenario you know their philosophy has been I'm just going to walk you know we're not doing it now we're all the good things we're not going to do it you and know I because asked, you guys didn't like the food tax yeah you know, I asked president Adams about that last week and they don't really seem to, there doesn't seem to be much of an appetite to do like you know to, to to take the liquor tax money and put it into the sales into the general fund or to um, to to repeal some of the sales tax exemptions that they had repealed in the previous bill that weren't controversial right. um, and, but they just there's not really an appetite to do it they feel like they've been beaten up and and they're you know there's a little uh, yeah. a little wound up there yeah. and it kind of reminds me when we discipline our children and then all of a sudden they get angry at us and I say I hate you and I, they lock the door and one, I'm not going to talk to you and I told you so and I'm yeah. sure they didn't say that to you <laughs> yeah no they <laughs> but I, it kind of felt like that and uh, you know they tried their hardest and it, it was a eye-opening thing for them when it, it was defeated so bad and mm -hmm. they said to me one day well I hope you don't shop at XYZ and I said no I still do there <laughs> before we leave this one just going back to your time on the executive appropriations committee Scott because um, this issue we're seeing this year we're heavy on the one side and not on the other without tax reform that doesn't get fixed for next year Right, so right. this uh, we, are we going to see the same sort of? It's imbalance? the truth. It's a, a factual. And I was there when we changed the public education funding to include higher ed. When we made that yeah, big thank you change. For that. Well, I know. Thank you. And then the teachers are saying, "You should have never changed that. Why did you do that?" Uh, no, I, I think you're, it, the whole premise is now uh, we've got to look at tax reform just because of the very nature of how we do business. You know, we are going to a service-based economy. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. But how we do it and to make sure on this, we've got to have greater participation. And I think they've learned a great lesson about it. I think the lesson. But it's reality. Probably, the lesson they probably learned is that you've got to actually convince people and bring them along yeah. instead of just jamming it down their yeah. throat. Yeah. Um, and, and that it, perhaps it, the food tax isn't a good idea. The food tax is a non-starter for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Sure, that's true. Uh, this, all of this budget leads into a few uh, budget priorities for our legislature, and there are a lot of bills yeah. still yet to be discovered. I have a couple. I'm interested in it, but let me start with all of you. Uh, Robert, any bills that you're watching right now that have some import or some things yeah. you're just following closely? Well, I think, uh, I'm sure Scott's interested in the affordable housing bill that yeah. Jake Andrew is sponsoring. Uh, there's another piece of that that would help uh, uh, students who are, you know, in, in sort of tenuous housing situations stay in their housing situations so you don't have homeless students yeah. going 
going to school. Uh, I think that's a good one. There's uh, about six million dollars for an indigent defense fund that has been requested, and I think it's I think that's a great idea. Our indigent defense system uh, in the state is in really bad shape. It's, it's inconsistent. You've got rural counties that can't fund it. You've got more urban counties like Salt Lake that can, and so this would sort of make it just as equal across the state. I think both of those are good. Um, there's a, a, another request from S uh, Senator Anderig for to expand rail offerings around yes, the state. Right. They put a lot of money there. I think all of these are, are, are good things, but they're all competing for, for, for the, you know, a piece of that pie, and it's a small piece of pie. Um, but, you know, I think Joe Biden was the one that said, it, you know, don't tell me what your priorities are. Yeah. Show me your budget, yeah, and I'll right. tell you what your priorities yeah. are. They always said in this session, you imagine a big pile of money in the middle of the table, and then it's spent a hundred times, right? <laughs> well, the they had $375 million in requests, and I think you, know, you can just see from the numbers uh, that, that, that you can't stretch the money that right. far. Yeah. Exactly right. Michelle, what are you watching? Uh, I have a few, and one doesn't require any money, and so I think it's a great idea, is the, um, the uh, Karen Kwan's ERA um, yes. resolution. Um, it's stuck in committee, and it, and it won't even, they don't even have um, the courage to vote on it, and I think. Explain it, explain this for a moment, and then maybe right. some politics. Right, so it. it's just, it, it, it's the, you know, the ERA, the, the, it's a resolution that says mm -hmm. that Utah supports the ERA. Um, it doesn't, you know, whether it, Obviously, there are issues with you know the legality of the ERA, and, and Utah wouldn't be the 28th state anymore. And it's you know it's being litigated, but it's it's this you know it's the idea. It's an idea bill right now of you know Utah supports equality for men and women, and it's not in the federal constitution. It is in the state constitution. We've had it since our constitution was uh, you know was was drafted. Somehow we've survived, right? And somehow we've <laughs> uh, survived, and there isn't state-funded abortion. Right. And and so um, you know that there's this there are these claims that. It's a it's a far left um, uh, abortion. I you know yeah somehow that's been tied to this right and um, there's there are no there's no case law that's precedential in Utah or in the federal court system that says that and um, and abortion is happening outside of the ERA right like in the 1970s they said well, we can't do ERA because abortion will will happen and abortion happened or same sex happened anyway and you know it's it's these issues that they're tying with the ERA that are independent and and are happening outside side of the ERA. The ERA is simply a, a, a provision in the Constitution that says men and women are equal. And I don't, I don't see what is wrong with, you know, what is objectionable about that. Um, I'm also following um, the bill by uh, Representative Quinn to, to fix the state Credit for the the child tax credit. The child tax credit. Yeah, when the in 2018, when the federal um, tax changes were implemented, Utah State didn't didn't. They forgot. Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> I don't think they forgot. I think they knew just that this was going to happen, and they chose not to. And they tried to fix it in the big tax bill, which was repealed. And now, you know, it's just stuck there. I would like to see also from the from the tax bill that was repealed, the tax on um, on feminine hygiene products that that. Yeah. You know, I, I'd like to see that. There's an individual bill to, to pass and, and to take the tax off of those. And then also, finally, I love the, um, the, the then this is a money, I, I love the, um, the $6 million or whatever it is for the mental health facility. I oh, think yes. that's important. We have several mental health bills right now with right. funding requests, too. Uh, can I break down a couple of these? Yeah. And, and Scott, you've had some issue, some, um, 
some experience with some of these abortion bills in the past and even now, because this is one of the things we're, that Michelle is bringing up that it was connected, but there are three or four of these right now. Can we talk about those for just a minute? Because they're making headlines today. Oh, they are. And uh, it's all, just open up your wallet. It's another lawsuit that will get <laughs> slammed down and it will be just that quick. And uh, when I was up there, we had a, a bill to do away with all abortions. Uh, wouldn't even include rape, incest, and health life of the mother, which is the predominant religion stand on abortion. And it's just one more uh, uh, draining of funds, and others will say, no, we got to keep fighting this, keep fighting. I'd rather fight it in a different way and talk about contraceptives and about how we can prevent even getting to that. Uh, and, I, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting issue in Utah. It gens a lot of hyperbole. Yeah. And when you talk about uh, the whole notion of the ERA is now this anti-abortion, you know, the Internet's alive and well. Yeah. And if you depend on social media for your news, every person sees that and they send every document out, but it right. doesn't have any legs. You know, the, the bills, though, that I, I, Robert got my number one, it's on the housing affordability with, with services that are put in there. Just to give someone a house and not have any services is the worst thing you can do because whatever that uh, seismic event was to get somebody out of a house and to put them back in again, without services, mental health, counseling, job narratives, they're just going to fall back into it after 90 days. So we've got to be careful on that. Uh, Steve Ellison's bill on mental health to put in new services, that's really a, a good bill because what we find in society, and especially with homelessness, is a lot of mental illness going on there. Um, and then I think uh, there, there's another bill up there that's really interesting to me, and it has to do with the whole notion of um, polygamy. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about that one. Yeah. Well, because, because it has changed, right? The, the, the bill reduces this charge to an infraction right. uh, uh, on polygamy. Talk about that and maybe some of the why this is coming forward. Well, you brought it up, Scott. Why don't you start talking about it? I know, Robert, you've done Yeah, I, I actually sponsored the bill years ago. I, I, Rulin and Warren Jeffs lived in my senatorial district, and we had an annual visit. I'd go up there, talk to Rulin. Hey, you do your thing with the government, and if you're going to do yours, fine. Tell three women broke out, came to my office, and said, we are sick and tired of this culture and you need to help us. And they wouldn't leave my office till we helped them. And so I said, well, what, what's the root cause analysis? What's going on here? And they said, we're sick and tired of having our leaders break in our girls at 13 and 14. And that point, uh, it just it, it rattled me. And so, uh, Senator Henderson has sponsored this bill to take it from an uh, from a felony to an infraction. What I say is, it's against the Constitution, and we've forgotten that. Everybody up there's uh, taken the oath to uphold the Constitution, and it's if we're going to change this, let's change the Constitution and do it right. But I think a felony sends a message out to everyone that you, that's not going to be tolerated, and um, it, it's it's a big challenge challenge in Utah because we've got the Kingstons, you've seen what they've done with Washakie. Uh, I mean, talk about organized crime. We, we don't have to look at Chicago, we don't have to look at New York, it's right here in Utah. I mean, the, the, the counter argument to what Scott's saying is, I, I've done some reporting yeah. in, with, the, with, the, um, with the Jeffs community down in Hilldale and so forth. The, the, what I kept hearing from people is that they, 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 they drive it underground, they drive these crimes underground and become more insular because they're worried about uh, being charged with 
prosecution. Women are afraid to leave the communities because they're afraid they're going to be charged or report crimes that are happening uh, that are already illegal. I mean, the child sex crimes, the, the human welfare fraud, the human all of that's already illegal and all of that's felonies. What Senator Henderson is saying is if we move this from a felony to an infraction, um, which is the best they can do, because as Scott mentioned, it is in the Constitution that it has to be there and it would require not just a constitutional amendment here, but also an act of Congress to, right. to allow us to do that. So, so they're lowering it as much as they can to encourage people to be more willing to come out of these communities to report crimes that are going on. And, and I think it's a, I think it's a good move. I mean, I think for one thing, no, we really haven't charged people with felonies in the past for the for for the mm -hmm. act of bigamy or polygamy. Um, and so it's rarely used. And so taking it off the books and taking away the stigma, I think, uh, would it opens these communities up. Well, and it's not just that they're um, you know that they're afraid of, of being prosecuted. The, the, the leadership is manipulating right. the women right. to say, well, you can't yeah, talk right. out against me or you can't, right. you know, do what, what you feel like is, is, is necessary to, to yeah. be free or, you know, to, to be safe because if you do, this is what will happen to you. Um, and, and Robert's right, it's not being prosecuted, right? So it's not being used. Um, but I also have concerns with, with the message that we send that, you know, that if, if we're decriminalizing polygamy, that's, it's a message that is uncomfortable and I'll to tell you, many th women in that, the that, States. That, that, that message uh, was loud and clear when I was driving back from a, an event that I went to down in Provo on Tuesday night when the BBC, you know, when you guys switch over uh, and you go to the BBC on, on uh, NPR, headline was, Mormon Utah leads a new Senate bill that makes uh, polygamy now like a parking ticket. Pass unanimously. Yeah, pass unanimously. <laughs> and that was the catcher on it. And Linda turned to me and said, what? what? Yeah. Okay. Well, watch this one closely because we're going to get a lot more conversation about it. Let's turn to some fun things happening inside the state on the presidential race. I mean, Utah is always, you know, attracting these candidates. We always talk about why that's the case. But let's go through it. we got a lot of Democratic candidates and even one Republican. So. Yeah. Let's talk, uh, Pete Buttigieg, right? Pete Buttigieg, Michael Bloomberg, Was on Tulsi Monday, Gabbard. Bloomberg twice. Yeah, uh, and they're coming in. Utah moved up in the process, so we're on Super Tuesday now. And we um, should give the legislature credit for that. That yes. was good foresight for the, of them. You all to, that? Yeah, oh, to do a state, oh, yeah. you know, a state-run primary yeah. and to put us in the early era. Yeah, given the, given the way the structure is, you want to be as early as you can, and so Super Tuesday is, is a good, we're still a small state on a big day, right? So that we're probably not going to get a ton of attention, um, and right now it's looking on the Democratic side, people are expecting Bernie Sanders to win Utah pretty handily. But the 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 fact that people are coming here and paying attention to it, it gives you an opportunity to uh, to yeah, a platform, I guess, yeah. to talk about Utah issues. Um, Pete Buttigieg got a strong showing. Uh, Mayor Bloomberg had people lined up hours in, in advance, um, and so we'll probably see more uh, more people coming uh, as it progresses. I still think, and if I don't want to go too off track here, I still think the system for nominating uh, presidential candidates is is a terrible yeah. system. <laughs> Putting Iowa, New Hampshire first, Nevada and South Carolina, and then all these other states. Governor Herbert for years has pushed for this rotating regional primary where you group states together yeah. and have each take a turn going first and then each matters more than the others and and so I, I but given where we are and what we've got to work with right now I think it's encouraging mm -hmm. one of the things about these candidates uh, that did come for this one uh, Michelle I thought it was interesting because Aaron Mendenhall Salt Lake City Mayor Jenny Wilson was there for Buttigieg but yeah. Mendenhall even made a, a, an endorsement of Buttigieg right right and, and tell me I think uh, Ben McAdams did an endorsement of Bloomberg right while he's here yeah explain some of this y you know Utah's just more relevant now um, 
and especially now that the, the you know everything is happening around the Democratic primary, um, Utah has been known. I mean, we're Republican, heavily Republican, but we're not heavily Trump, and so we are a state in play. They do want to get um, the uh, you know the 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 marketing, not mar you know the. The hoopla, the huh. yeah, the buzz from you know from being um, number one even in Utah because it, it, we're just part of the process talk, now. Talk about it from the Democratic uh, standpoint. Yeah, I was going to say I'm probably the only Democrat here, but uh, well, yeah. as an avowed 110% uh, supporter of Joe Biden, um, I will tell you that I had the opportunity to go meet with Mayor Bloomberg. I got a personal invitation, met with him for 15 minutes. I was blown away. He is the real deal. Were he, there women there? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, can't talk about it. You <laughs> can't talk about. It. Yes, they were there with their okay. attorneys, and they are all there. But it was it was really amazing to to listen to him and what he's going to do. And he gave me insight about Mitt Romney. I didn't know they were such good friends. And uh, for for Democrats, I still I, I I'm probably center uh, left, and most of my Republican friends are center right. They're right in that center, though. I don't know how Bernie. Got, gets all this attention. Uh, my one son, who's a CPA, uh, said to me, Dad, I did the math, and there, it would drive our country into bankruptcy if we took all his programs. And I don't know how they get in this emotional, caught up notion that their loans are going to be forgiven, and, and we're going to have health care here, and it's all going to be taken care of. Uh, I, I don't get that. I don't know what's happening to this group of individuals that I think Michelle's right, he could, or Robert's right, when they said he's probably going to win. And it, it's beyond me to know how that emotion of happens. And he can't beat Trump. I, well, that's I just, the bottom line. I still line. think because of because that, of all that. I mean, the, uh -huh. the Americans are not ready for that kind of a system. That's not how our democracy works. There, there was some polling I saw last week that said that the one word or one title that you can apply to a candidate that is most toxic is, is socialist. And you're already seeing Chris Stewart, Donald Trump, all, oh, everybody yeah, using yeah, that buzzword yeah, to yeah. try to, to apply it to Bernie and to Elizabeth. Well, in the, in the debate, they said communism on the stage. Which is why Buttigieg <laughs> is so popular here, is because he is more moder moderate, so is Klobuchar. Um, I love the idea of them getting on a ticket together, and um, I think they better figure it out soon. Well, I'm so, I'm so curious how the Democrats are going to manage this. I mean, just take that hypothetical. If you know the labels stuck to Bernie is socialist or communist, but this could be the Democratic candidate. Yes, it very well could be. And then I think most Democrats will say, well, it's better than what we have in the White House now. But the, the Republicans re won't. Yeah, the Republicans, and that's where we're going to. That's where they're going to lose. And I think that's where you see an independent all of a sudden r rising really quickly. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm defending Bernie here, but the math could work in Bernie's favor. You've got this group of people. A, a narrow group of people who are actually undecided in the middle, and if you're pushing them off to onto the Trump side, uh, you've got to bring in two people on the left, right, to replace those people. And so, if you can create twice as much energy as, as people you're alienating, it, it, it can work out. And uh, you know, you look at the national polls. Bernie is leading in Trump in some of the swing states. But the reality but of that enough right uh, that argument, uh, Robert, is that you and I both know that there's a Congress, mm -hmm. and do you think? That that Congress would take anything that he does. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, I, I, that that would 
be so quickly thrown out the door. And, and it, to your point, I mean, he's passed, I think, one bill. Three. Three bills. And two of them were to name post office. Yeah. Warren killed that debate. And the fact that we're not even talking about her is is so curious to me. Uh -huh. I, I think there's something to that. Yeah, we're watching that one closely. Not to mention the fact we got, we got Tulsi Gabbard uh, in okay. the state today, another Democrat, and Bill Weld, a Republican <laughs> candidate, also in the state. <laughs> <laughs> I give no shout-outs to everyone. Sorry. So let's watch this closely. This got to be the last word. Thank you so much for your great, great insights today. Yeah. Thank time. you for having us. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode of The Hinkley Report. If you like listening to the experts talking about the issues, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app.